Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. Turn to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1. And it reads a little something like this. Oh, this verse is going to encourage you. Oh, get ready for it. <laughs> In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. Look at your neighbor and say, put your house in order. Look at your other neighbor, the one you ain't like so much, so you pick them second. Say, put your house in order. Because you are going to die and you will not recover. How many of y'all encouraged by that? <laughs> That's where we go in today in God's word. Put your house in order because you are going to die and not recover. I know it, this is going to be hard for some of y'all to do, but when you really understand what that means, you're going to say amen. So I'm going to read it one more time. And I know it's, it's, I'm asking you to do something counterculture to what it sounds like. I'm going to read that one verse because how many of you know everything in God's word is good? So I'm going to read it and just say amen. I know he's going to die. Just say amen. All right. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die and you will not recover. And the church said, man, I love y'all. Y'all such good listeners. We're going to pray because I got a message. And if you're taking notes, you definitely should. I've entitled the message this. You ready for it? Overtime. Today we're preaching about overtime. Amen? Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you were made. God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you for each and every person that came into this house today, God, desperately seeking and needing a miracle. They feel like it's over. They don't know what to do. God, let them know you're the God of overtime. When it looks like it's done, you still got more left in this game. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. Open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that's always going to be about Jesus. And God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this message the most, whether here or online today. God, I pray that you would open hearts, minds, and ears to be receptive and open to a message that will always be about your son. God, I pray for the person that feels like giving up. I pray for the person that feels like they're in an impossible situation, God. Let them never forget. You can always make a way. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And we give this time back to you in Jesus' name. And everybody set? Everybody set? Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise in this place today. Overtime. <laughs> well, I've been talking about Hezekiah ever since I got back. And this is my fourth message on 
Hezekiah, the first one, I preached a message entitled, All We Do Is Win. Where's the winners at out there? Make some noise. I love that. All we do is win. And I, I, I landed on a verse in 2 Kings 18, chapter 7, and it says, the Lord was with him. Him is Hezekiah, um, and he was successful in whatever he undertook. How many of y'all want a life of success? Let me see. Show of hands. You want a life of success. Well, Hezekiah was a winner because he learned how to trust and obey God. How many of you know you can trust God and not obey him, and you can obey him and not trust him. And if you really want to succeed, you got to trust and obey God. Amen. The second week I, I, I preached a message um, entitled how to win a losing battle. And what we find is as Hezekiah and his people are threatened by the Assyrians that want to conquer them, Hezekiah gives his people this word when they are threatened by the enemy, when it seems like they're losing. In 2 uh, Kings 18.36, it says, but the people remained silent and said nothing in reply because the king had commanded, do not answer him. Hezekiah knew there was no reasoning with an enemy because winners never dignify the enemy with a response. And the church said... Then the third week, man, I preached a message called Pray to Win. How many of y'all was here for that? Pray to Win. Oh, man. And it was fun. It was a great time. And we, we landed in 2 Kings 19, 16 through 18. It says, now, Lord, this was a prayer of Hezekiah to invoke the presence and the power of God to help him win this battle. And, and Hezekiah ends his prayer by saying, now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hands so that the kingdoms of the earth may know you alone are God. What if God was telling us to stop praying just the stuff we want, but when you pray it, pray it so that the world will know he is God. I loved it because Hezekiah, he comes, he spreads his issues out before the Lord. He spoke the truth about the situation and he made sure that he cited the source so that the world would know that only God is responsible for the victory. When he prayed, he prayed to win. And the church said, today, I want to close out this collection of thoughts that I've been having around King uh, Hezekiah. And the thing about him that I want you to understand is that as we read this chapter, chapter 20, something crazy happens and it seems like the situation that Hezekiah is in is, is impossible. It seems like he's about to lose. The, one of the most successful people in history, we read uh, Hezekiah 20 verse 1 and the Bible's like, hey, get your house in order, you about to die. And you will not recover. It seems like one of the greatest winners in history is about to lose, but a miracle happens in this moment of his life. When it seems like his life is at an end, when it seems like time is running out, when it seems like he has no way, God comes and makes a way. Have you ever felt like, maybe this is just me, but you ever felt like, man, time was running out? Just in different situations, right? You just seem like, oh man, like this deadline's about to hit, man. Time is running out. I don't know what to do. Like if something don't happen today, I, I might lose my house. If something don't happen today, everything's going to be messed up. If something don't happen today, my reputation is going to be ruined. If something don't happen today, I may not even be here anymore. Have you ever felt like time is running out? 
Here's what I want you to understand. Everything in life, hear me family, has an expiration date. Every single thing has an expiration date. Food in your fridge, you leave it there long enough, it expires, right? Relationships, there are relationships that some of y'all have had going on for a long time and God wanted you to expire that thing a long time ago, but you just been holding on, right? Relationships, there are some that have an expiration date. Hey, I'm going to be honest. Hairlines. <laughs> they have an expiration date. I am not as blessed as some of y'all. At 25, mine was like, see ya. I'm gone. And I just had to deal. Thank God. I ain't got a peanut-shaped head. Praise God. So many things, muscles. Some of you in the gym all day. Man, I be, I be lifting, like, I'm, I'm natural, I'm natty, bro. Like, okay. That stuff has an expiration date. One day, I don't care how much you lift, gravity will set in. <laughs> I ain't gonna just pick on the fellas or not. <laughs> BBLs have a <laughs> expiration date. They may be sitting up today. <laughs> they may not be sitting up tomorrow. <laughs> Lace fronts have an expiration date. Oh, they look good. The baby hairs look good the first few joints. But then after a while, when you start seeing that front do this right here, girl, it's time to get that thing read. Like, if I can see the lace, it's time for you to get that thing redone. Expiration date. I'm just saying. It's a real thing. These things have an expiration date. Bills. You got to pay them things on time. Them bills be billing. That life be lifing. Adulting is hard. Got to pay them bills on time, man, because they got an expiration date. I love what Ecclesiastes 3.1 says. It says there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. Time for everything. Y'all remember, man, I'm so glad. One, I, can't, I, I still talk about this with my wife. I can't believe we lived through COVID-19. Like 2020 to 2022 was some of the strangest years of our entire lives. And y'all remember them COVID times, right? Like, we, we couldn't even come and sit like this, like everybody masked up, all this stuff. You know one of the craziest things that, that I, I, I actually enjoyed during COVID times is to help the economy, there was a freeze or a forbearance put on everybody's student loans. Y'all remember that? Hey, 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 don't lie. Like, every six months, you was watching the news. Hey, they gonna take this forbearance away. Like I remember, man, I had my student loans. I was like, Lord, I said, oh God, thank you, Jesus. And every time they would extend it, I said, hallelujah. And when I knew the due date was coming again, I said, Lord God, I am your son. I hope you are well pleased. And Lord, this forbearance has blessed me. It has helped me get my finance in order. God, please, I would ask that you would extend this and please not let this, 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 this forbearance expire in Jesus' name. How many of y'all was praying that prayer with me. It's praying that prayer. 
I was like, Lord, just let this thing just keep going. Let, let it last so long they forget about it. Like you knew they wasn't going to forget. I said, Lord, let it last so long they forget about it or they forgive it. That was, that was, that was my prayer. Lord, let them forget about it or forgive it. And in my case, God extended them student loans to just the right time. Because right when they was about to talk about they had to pay them back, I got a letter in the mail. And that letter said, Mr. Wilson, thank you for your service and congratulations because you are now debt free. Hallelujah. Praise God. God extended them student loans for me long enough for somebody in some office somewhere to get some sense knocked into him and say, you know what? This boy been paying faithfully all this time. He been working for a nonprofit all these years. You know what? I know this forbearance has been going on, but before the forbearance, this boy ain't miss a payment. You know what? I think before this thing is said and done that we need to cancel his loans. How many of y'all got extended it long enough for somebody to get some sense? And I told that story many a times that others in you in this room, when it happened for me, it started happening for you too. And the church said, I love it because how many of you know that God will extend a season if there is still purpose in that season? He will extend it if there's purpose in it. But some of us so often, we get mad when God stretches out. God, I'm so sick of this season. I'm tired. How long it's going to be like this, God? When, when you going to do, when you going, I'm waiting for a new thing. God, did you not perceive it? You the one that said it. Like, you waiting for God to do something new. You mad, you are stuck in the season. And we get mad when God stretches it out, but he's only stretching it out because he's still working it out. Don't get mad when God, when he stretch out a season, because if he stretch it out, he working it out. I didn't know somebody was looking at my paperwork while that season was being stretched. If the season would have ended, if it would have ended early, they might not have had the time to evaluate my paperwork, and I might not be sitting here giving you this testimony today. If God stretches out a season, don't be mad if he stretches it out, because God will only stretch it out because he wants to work it out. Amen? You may have felt like in this game of life that you've been losing the entire game. Anybody ever felt like that before? You might be depressed. You might have anxiety. You might feel like you've been losing the whole game and you just want the game to end. You ever watched a game that was so bad your team was losing, you just wanted it to be over? I mean, I, 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 know, I know a certain team felt like that last week when they was playing Miami. I know they wanted that game to be over, <laughs> right? The game's so bad you want it to end when God is really saying, I got to extend this game and I got to take this thing into overtime because that's the only way you're going to get victory. If you've been losing the entire game, you need overtime for God to give you a resolution. 
right? Overtime is when the game gets resolved. You could have been losing the first, I'm a basketball fan, so you could have been losing the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter. If you could get enough energy in the fourth quarter just to get it back to zero, then God will grant you overtime because in overtime, he's going to resolve everything in one quarter that didn't happen in the first four. This is the God that we serve. And now, I want to apply this principle to Hezekiah's life. Hezekiah, we read that he just got a prophecy from Isaiah that he was going to die. And Hezekiah, he actually does die of natural causes at the age of 54 at around 687 B.C. Hezekiah would have been 25 years old when he became king, and he ruled— uh, um, you all right? Praise God. That was like a premature amen, right? Hezekiah, he would have ruled from 25 on till he was 54, but he's 39 years old. 39 years old when he gets the word that we talk about in 2 Kings 20. So imagine you king at 25, you're ruling for about 14 years, 39 years old, you get a word, hey man, you're going to die. The same person that the Bible says was successful in everything that he did. Another note that you need to understand about chapter 20, chapter 20 is not in chronological order with chapters 18 and 19. Chapter 20 actually happens within chapters 18 and 19. In chapters 18 and 19, we see Hezekiah getting ready to go to war with the Assyrians. So what happens in chapter 20 when he gets this word about him, about, the, you know, he's going to die, that doesn't happen after he wins the victory. It happens while he's in the middle of a war. How many of you know sometimes you can get the worst news in your life when you're in the middle of the war? Yeah, yeah. Right? So he's 39 years old. He's already been leading and winning for 14 years. And then... The king of Assyria said, hey, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill all your people. I'm going to exile you. I'm going to take your land, all this stuff. And then on top of that, if that wasn't bad enough, everybody else around you was defeated. If that wasn't bad enough, now you got God's man, the prophet Isaiah, coming to you and saying, hey, I know you're in the middle of this war. By the way, you're going to die. Like, talk about adding insult to injury, Right? But then what happens is something miraculous happens in Hezekiah's life, and he gets to rule and live for another 15 years, and in the middle of that, defeat the king of Assyria. But in that middle point, in that middle mark, he gets this sickness, and Hezekiah goes from thinking about death in one moment of life to getting a 15-year extension or some overtime in his life in the next moment. What, what's happening there? So here's a question I want to kind of answer today as, as we look at the life of Hezekiah. What do you do when you feel like you're running out of time? Hezekiah got a word. Your life's going in. What did he do? In the moment when he got that word, I think if we can really lean into what he did there, I think it's going to bless you in a season where you may feel like you're running out of time. Amen? So, here's the first thing I want to say. To get into overtime, 
you have to remember how to play the game. You got to remember how to play the game. Look at 2 Kings 20, verse 1. I'm going to read it again. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. Look at your neighbor and say, put your house in order. He's like, you don't know me. How you telling me what to do in my house? Look at your other neighbor and say, put your house in order. Because you are going to die and you will not recover. I love that God says, put your house in order. That statement may be one of the most merciful statements in the entire Bible. Put your house in order. God is so merciful that he will give you the judgment before the punishment so you have time to get your house in order. The judgment, right? The judgment is the announcement. You're going to die. The punishment is the action, actual death, right? So God has so much mercy on him that he announces the judgment before actually delivering the punishment. And I know some of y'all like, yo, he told him he was going to die. I don't care how much mercy you talking about. That's still mean. Don't think that God is being mean because the truth is him giving the judgment was an announcement that gave Hezekiah mercy in his life because God's judgment on your life is always an invitation for you to repent and receive mercy. Here's the thing. Everybody says that line, oh man, nobody knows when my day is. He told him. He told him. For me, how much would your life change if you knew? So many people, I'm I'm going to do that Jesus thing one day. One day is some day far off in, in eternity if you don't have an actual deadline. So there's people out there right now that say, I'm going to get Jesus one day, and they live in their life carefree, not knowing that today could be the day. God's like, yo, I need you to pay that bill now. Yeah, I, I, I came to collect. Hezekiah, he says, hey, you're going to die. So I need you to get your house in order. Don't be mad if God delivers judgment to you because he's doing it to give you time to repent. That's what I call mercy. Some people never get a chance to repent. They they never get it because they took the time that God gave them for granted. I, I, I I love this because he gets this word, right? And and, and God says, get your house in order. Here's the beautiful thing about, once again, knowing the day that you're going to go. People die every day and never get to say goodbye. Never get to say it. And a lot of us have experienced that with our family members. You just didn't know. And then people, they, they beat themselves up and there's all this guilt. And they're like, man, I wish I could have said this or I wish I could have done that. Hezekiah had time to look at every one of his family members in the eye and say, hey, y'all, I'm not going to be here so I, I, I've, I've, I've prepared something for you. Or he got to tell him how he really felt. I've, I've done too many funerals in my life as a pastor. And I hear this probably more often than anything. Man, I wish, I, I, I wish I'd have gave them their flowers when they were still here. But Hezekiah gets a word 
from the Lord so he has time to process and say everything that he needs to say. God is giving this man time to do what needs to be done before he leaves this earth the right way. That is mercy. But then look at what happens when he gets this mercy from God. Second Kings 20 verse 2. Hezekiah. Now imagine the prophet Isaiah, man of God coming in. Homie, I love you. You're going to die. God told me to tell you that. Hezekiah, the Bible says, turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He turned his face to the wall and prays to the Lord. So he gets this word from the prophet, you're going to die. The prophet is a man of God, isn't he? The prophet is a man of faith, isn't he? So you would think the natural response would be to say, yo, Isaiah, man, please, like, could you please pray with me? Could you, could, 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 could I lean on some of your faith, Isaiah? That's not what happens. Hezekiah, hey, you're going to die. Hezekiah does this. Goes to the wall and begins to cry out to God. He cries out to God. What is he doing? Theologians will say that Hezekiah was creating separation between him and Isaiah because he knew that these were prayers that he had to go in alone on. So he turned towards the wall because when you turn towards the wall, symbolically, that meant seclusion. That meant privacy. That means, you know what? It's some stuff I got to say to God that nobody else needs to hear right now. I need to go in on my own. The initial response from a lot of us is, man, I need to find a person of faith to pray with. And I'm saying, hey, it's some times for that, but there are also times when you pray, and Jesus demonstrates this, that he gets away from everybody else, and he cries out in anguish to the Father. He says, God, if you could take this cup from me, please, but ultimately not my will, let your will be done, because there are some things that shall only be discussed between you and God. This was a private prayer. And there are times when you pray that you need somebody else, but there are times when you pray that it just needs to be between you and God because a man can't help you. And when a man cannot help you, you need to turn to the wall. You need to get into a prayer closet. You need to find a corner. You need to lay on your face. You need to get on your knees. But make sure you get some privacy to pour out your heart to God because everybody don't need to know what's going on between you and God. If you believe it, say amen. Yeah, I know we lean on people to pray, but man, when you gonna learn how to pray by yourself? I love praying for you, but when are you gonna start praying for you? And actually having the faith and the conviction and the passion that opens the ears of God and, and your prayers will reach his heart because the Bible says that the prayers of the righteous are faileth much. Yeah, I love grabbing two or three brothers and sisters, but man, there's some things that I don't even talk to my brothers and sisters about. I just take them directly to God. I take them directly to the source of my salvation. I love this because as we can take, so we see he takes his posture. He's like, Isaiah, you cool, but this between me and God right now. And he turns around and he prays. And look what the Bible says in 2 Kings 20, verse 3. It says, this is how he prayed. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And the Bible says he wept bitterly. Man, let me tell you something. 
My wife came up here and she talked about brokenness. Brokenness is not a sign of weakness. It's a signal to God that you're ready. Some of y'all just need to break before the Lord. You need to weep. It doesn't make you a punk. It doesn't make you a coward. It doesn't make you weak. It just shows that your heart is open to him. It shows that you're saying, God, I got no other options but you. He says he wept bitterly, but I, I love this because it says, remember, Lord. Now, it's like, it's like, it's almost like Hezekiah's pulling out a list of all the good things that he did before God. Remember how I walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly in devotion and did good in your eyes, which is why he was successful in the first place? Hezekiah, in essence, is asking God to remember who he is like God forgot. How I many know God will never forget who you are? But I think sometimes you got to say things out loud because when you say things out loud, you begin to process them differently. I think in the process of him asking God to remember who he was, he started to remember who he was in God. Why is that important? I'm going to tell you why it's important. So as a basketball fan, like I said, I, I love watching games. And there's these times where you could be watching a game, right? And a team is just having a terrible game. A fourth quarter comes. And all of a sudden, like in the fourth, a team will start to go on a run. You ever seen that happen? Yeah. Right? It's almost like muscle memory begins to kick in. It's like the chemistry on the team starts to come back all of a sudden. And then you start seeing the team do all the little things. Like usually like a run, it'll start with something like a rebound or somebody will dive on the ball, or somebody will get like angry. Like, like when a team is losing, you can see the chemistry on the team. Everybody's like. And then usually somebody just gets fired up. Maybe somebody comes off the bench. Maybe the star player recognizes and realizes or remembers that they're the star. And there's a spark that comes into the team. The chemistry comes back, and you know what they start doing? They start doing the little things that made them a team in the first place. Last year, the Miami Heat were notorious for this. I love the Miami Heat. We'll start a game on fire. And, and I just, I want to say a prayer for the... <laughs> Lord, I pray you would touch Pat Riley's heart and the organization. God, help them to make some moves because we thought it was going to be Dame time, but it looks like it's the same time. Lord, <laughs> help them do something. Something to help Jimmy and Bam. Amen. Okay, sorry. But last year, the Heat, man, we, we made a run, man. We made a great run all the way to the finals, and we're in the tourists. We started a game great. Something would happen in quarters two or three. Every game, I would watch this. But then, like, we, I've seen games where the Heat was down by 20 at the start of the fourth quarter. And then something would happen. It's like, like Jimmy Butler would just wake up, and he would turn from Jimmy Butler to Jimmy Buckets. Just one, one play at a time. And then when Jimmy started going off, maybe Bam might go off. Bam go. Maybe Tyler starts going. Maybe some people, all people start doing all the little things. Man. They start diving for re. They start getting rebounds. They was diving on the floor. They was stealing. They was jumping in all the passing lanes. And eventually we started the quarter down by 20. But then there's a few seconds left in the game and we down by one. And I'm like, yo. Where have y'all been the whole game? Where y'all been? Say, what well, dominate? I, 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 love, I love this because it's like they remembered how to play 
the game of basketball. And I love Hezekiah because he started to pray to God to remember all he did, but I think at the same time, he begins to remember that God made him a winner. He begins to remember that he had success in everything that he did, and he goes back to the things that he did that made him successful in all he did. And here's what I just want to remind somebody of is that when you remember that all God has brought you through, it changes the way that you pray. Sometimes you just got to remember, even if you got to say it out loud to process, just remember like I could be down today, but when I remember what God has brought me through and I remember what team I'm on, I begin to get more energy to fight back when it seems like all hope is lost, when it seems like it's over. I look at myself and say, I remember when God did that before. I remember when we couldn't find a place to meet on a Sunday and God gave us a park or God gave us a school or God gave us a cultural center. Then God gave us a high school. I remember the days when I didn't know which way was up and God said, you know what, son? Remember when I saved you before? I'm going to save you again. I remember when I prayed prayers for people in the hospital and it looked like they was going to die and God brought them back. So when I get into that situation today, I remember the person that God had brought back before and said, God, if you could do it before, you could do it again. I remember the days that I was broke. I remember when it seemed like I ain't have nothing and God has always sustained me and been Jehovah Jireh my provider so when it seems like my funds are running a little bit low all I do is remember what God did the last time and know that if he did it before he will do it again I remember when people turned their back on me and I felt alone and God said don't worry about them I was just trying to get them from around you because I needed new people around you so if anybody ever try to leave me today I say God I ain't worried you just sifted them from around me because there's some other folks that you want around me so we can bring heaven down to earth if you believe it. Say amen. Some of y'all need to start remembering what you and God have been through together and get back in the fight because if he did it before he will do it again. Overtime doesn't come when you forget. It comes when you remember who you are with God. Remember. And secondly, an overtime win is a team win. Oh, man, here we go. Second Kings 20, 4 and 5. Before Isaiah had left, so yeah, let's, let's set the stage. Isaiah says, man, you're going to die. Hezekiah's like, devil is a liar. Turns around, prays, starts to cry. <laughs> hey, here's another thing. Listen, Isaiah gave the word that God told him to give. How many of you know, you don't have to accept everything that is spoken over you? Some of y'all just, well, the pastor said it. You don't have to accept everything that comes over your life. Amen? So, I love this. I'm trying, brother. I'm trying. So look at this. 2 Kings 20 verse 4. I don't receive that. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. 2 Kings 20. 
You got that word from the doctor. Oh, it's over. I, re I reject that. Let me go get a second. Okay, all right. Might help somebody today. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, because Isaiah was like, all right, I'm out. I, I did what I had to do, right? The word of the Lord came to him. He gets another word in response to the prayer of Hezekiah. Oh, I hope you caught that. Verse 5, go back. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Some of y'all think crying is useless. The Bible says that those that sow in tears shall reap with songs of joy. Your tears are not useless. Your tears are seed. Oh, my goodness. He says, I have heard your prayers and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. Man, I'm so glad you came in so fast. Y'all give it up for him. Just, just bring that to a silence for me real quick. I'm going to come back. Just stay right there because I'm going to point to you like, bam, make it sound spiritual. Just not yet. I don't want people to get, I don't want people to be like, oh, it's about sensationalism because he had the keys playing and my heart was moved and I believed him. No, listen to what, listen to what the word's saying. Listen, we know how to play them chords. We're like, wow, the spirit's here. But I want you to focus on the word. Focus, 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 focus. I don't focus, so I got to tell everybody to focus. It says, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I love that verse 5 says, Isaiah went back, y'all, and he changed his prophecy because of the prayer. The prayer was responsible for the initial judgment to shift. Because I, that's why I told you in the beginning, the judgment, him giving the judgment early was mercy. Because there's a judgment which is announced, there's a punishment that is acted upon. Some of us have gotten the judgment and acted like it was the punishment. And God says, a judgment is not to kill you, a judgment is to correct you. Just because you get a judgment don't mean it's a punishment. <sighs> Look at this. And here's, here's what I'm going to qualify. Because it's like, well, it, the first word was from the Lord. So what? Is God confused? He changing his mind about stuff like that? Listen, this is not the first time that this happens in Scripture. I'll give you other Scripture to qualify what I'm talking about. Jeremiah 18, verse 7. Look at this. Jeremiah was another prophet, and he was giving the people of Israel, the Israelites, more prophecies because they was wilding out. They was acting crazy, and he was like, hey, y'all got to get yourself together. And God was always giving them chances, right? Jeremiah 18, 7, it says, listen, this is God telling you why he will change something that he says. He says, if at any time I announce that's a judgment, that a nation of king or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed. And, verse 8, catch this, if that nation I warned repents, 
of its evil, then I will relent, I will pull back and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. There was planned disaster, but a prayer prevented the plan. And if at another time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be built or planted, if it does evil in my sight and does not obey, then I will reconsider the good I intended to do, to do for it. What I'm telling you is this works both ways. It, it ain't just, oh, my prayer going to reverse it. Let me tell you something. You running from God and doing things your way can reverse it too. There's good things God has spoken over your life, and you wonder why they never came to be. I got I to gotta say, are your actions lining up with the prophecy? Because if they're not, just like God can give you something, he can take it away based upon your actions. This, to me, is one of those proving context of verses that lets me understand free will. It's the greatest gift that God gives us because God gives us time to play a part in his story. He gives us time. Like, y'all remember when you was younger, there was these books, and maybe I'm dating myself, there was these books called Choose Your Own Adventure. Remember those books? You read up to like page 37, and on page 37, it says, hey, you, maybe you in, the, you in the jungle with your homies. He says, hey, turn to page 58, get on a plane out of the jungle, or turn to page 57 and stay in the jungle and go deeper. Well, if you turn to page 7 and go deeper in the jungle, you get eaten by a lion. But if you turned to page 58 and got on the plane, you'd have been home safe. Your story, what I'm saying is, by choosing the wrong page, your story would end prematurely. What am I also saying? There was a plan for both sides of your life. There was a plan for the good you would choose, and there was a plan for the bad that you would choose. So could it be that God has multiple plans for your life based upon your choices? God knows everything. He knows what's going to happen to you when you choose the right thing. He knows what's going to happen to you when you choose the wrong thing. Right? So... It makes verses that I've heard, another one I give you from Jeremiah, make a lot more sense when you read it with the context that I just gave you. Jeremiah 29, 11, which we quote so much. I, there's a small nuance I want you to notice with three words. It's one word that's going to be said three times, but I want you to notice the nuance. It says, for I know the... Y'all see the S on the end of that, right? Sounds like more than one plan. I have for you, declares the Lord. Say it again. It didn't, still didn't switch the plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope in the future. Baked into this beautiful little verse here, God is letting us know, I got some scenarios for your life. And I am giving you an opportunity to decide, will you go with the scenario that aligns with my will, or will you go with the opportunities that align with your will? You have a choice. You are not a puppet. You are not a pawn, but a person made in the image of God with the ability to think and to pray and to change your actions to align with the will of God for his purpose for you. This is why the old saints say prayer changes things. 
Prayer changes things. For I love what James 5, 16 says in the, in the Living Bible. It says, the earnest prayers of the righteous man has great power and wonderful results. What are the wonderful results of a righteous player? God's plan for your life. The wonderful result is God getting his way in my life. And even though God could make me a puppet that always gets his way in my life, he makes me a person and gives me a choice to choose his way in my life over mine. This is a beautiful gift of free will that God gives us. You see, the thing prayer changes is you. To align with God's will so that the will of God for your life shall manifest instead of the will of your flesh. Prayer changes you to see it's not about you. Man, if you get that revelation in your spirit. But let's go back to basketball because I like talking about basketball. When teams get into overtime, you ever seen a team in overtime? Everybody's tired. Everybody's gassed, right? But you know who is almost always the MVP of any overtime? You ready for the word I'm about to give you? Momentum. Momentum is the MVP of every single overtime. Anybody that's played anything professionally or played anything, you know when everybody's tired, somebody got to do something to get everybody spark. And the team with the most momentum at the end of overtime is often the team that wins. Because when a team gets momentum, it's over. It's the team that's going to dive for the loose balls. They're going to grab the rebounds. They're going to make the extra effort to come out on top in overtime. Overtime is about how bad a team wants to win, not the star. How bad a team wants to win. Let me tell you something about Hezekiah. He may have been the star of this story, but God was giving him an extra 15 years or extra time or overtime in life to show him it was not about him, it was about the team. That's why he got it. And I'll qualify that with scripture. 2 Kings 2, 20 verse 6. Now make it sound spiritual. <laughs> I will add 15 years to your life. That's the part we like, yes, Lord, give me more time. But did you read the, the caveat? And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake. Did he say for, his, for, for, for Hezekiah's sake? So I'm going to do it for my sake and for the sake of my servant. God made a promise to David. And God made a promise to those people in that city. Hezekiah was the conduit or the vehicle that the miracle would get delivered through. So because Hezekiah was in the middle of that, his extension of life was a signal to, to the people that God would keep his promise to them. Him getting more time was never about him getting more time. The time that he was given was purpose for the people that God was trying to serve. I, 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 love, I love this so much because overtime wasn't about Hezekiah's health. It was about the team. It was about protecting God's people and honoring his promise to David. That's why he got more time. Here's the thing. God doesn't give you more time to waste. God doesn't extend your life for your personal enjoyment. 
I, I need you to hear this and get this in your spirit. Don't ask God for more time. Ask him for more purpose because time without purpose is wasted. God, I need more time. No, no, no. You don't, you don't need more time. You need more purpose. Because if there's any time that you spend and it does not have a purpose attached to it, it is wasted time. When you know it's not about you, you don't care how you win. You just want to win no matter what. I, I love this because the next verse seems obscure, but it just shows me this is a win no matter what. 2 Kings 20, verse 7. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. You know, the fig trees, they used to have a lot of them. Figs are good fruit, right? Prepare a poultice or a bunch or a, 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 a bushel of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil and he recovered. So clearly there was some type of boil that Hezekiah was having a reaction to in his body that was going to kill him. Can I read something that will um, once again prove that science proves the Bible right? I think a lot of times it's like, it's the Bible or it's science. No, God made science. So science just proves the Bible right. So he had a boil. God says you're going to live, but still tells Isaiah, hey, take some figs and put it on that thing. Right? This is going to help some people in this room. Take some figs and put it on that. Could God have healed the boil without the figs? The answer is, but he says, no, use the figs. Watch this. I'm going to read this because I got this from a medical journal. It says, you can apply a fig directly on the skin to bring down various forms of skin inflammation like boils and abscess. A study found that the latex of the fig tree exhibited anti-wart activity. This could be due to the proteolytic activity of the latex enzymes. Science proves that figs on boils make boils go away. What was that trying to let us know? God, with a word, could have healed Hezekiah, but in this instance, he chooses to use medicine. I will take a healing however God wants to give it to me. Heal me through medicine. It's still a miracle because the medicine will not work if it's not God's will. A win is a win is a win. I don't care how I get it. I don't care how long the game takes. I just want to win. If it requires overtime, I'm going to keep on playing till I got nothing left. Some of y'all want God to snap his fingers and change your situation. But maybe instead of God putting more money in your bank account, maybe, just maybe, he'll make you a better steward of your finances. Sometimes God wants to use practical things for a miracle to manifest. So don't look at a miracle the same way you always look at a miracle. Allow God to do whatever he wants you to do to give you whatever he wants to give you because a win is a win is a win. If you believe it, say amen. Because a win in overtime doesn't just benefit me, y'all. When I win, Team Jesus wins. When you win, Team Jesus wins. As I close, there's another part of this story that you don't find in 2 Kings. You only find it in the book of Isaiah. You see, as Hezekiah was going through war and a disease that should have killed him, he takes time to write in his journal. 
and the words that are written in his journal, he talks about his emotions when he heard that he was sick and he laments, he cries about it. And he, he writes all these things, like, God, why me? This is that. Go, you can go read it for yourself. But then the second half of what he writes, it's so profound and it's so beautiful. And I just want to, I want to read this because you might find yourself in a situation like Hezekiah. You're like, man, I don't know what else to do. I ain't got nothing left. And I want you to hear the perspective because he writes the second part after he gets healed. He writes the first part before his healing. He writes the second part after his healing. And it's in Isaiah. Isaiah records it. Isaiah 38 verses 15 through 20 as we close. This is the perspective this is the perspective of a winner that went through it and came out on the other side. This is the perspective you need to have when you feel like it's all over. He says in verse 15 of Isaiah 38, but what can I say? This is the right, literally coming from Hezekiah. He has spoken to me. He is God. And he himself has done this. He acknowledges, hey, this is God's judgment on me. And look, Leader says, I will walk humbly. He doesn't get arrogant when he gets the judgment from God. It humbles him, y'all. Someone's get a judgment from God. He's like, no, nah, forget that, man. And you let your pride take over. No, 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 no. Humble yourself. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish to my soul. Verse 16, Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. Listen to this, because he got healed. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered. Oh my gosh. If somebody can get that in their spirit. Some of you going through some stuff and you say, I can't believe it's happening to me. Hezekiah said, man, this was for my benefit. My suffering is for my benefit. He says, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish in your love. You kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. Oh my God. For the grave cannot praise you. The dead cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. He says the living, the living, which he still was at the time, he says they praise you. He says, as I am doing today, this man went from a place of crying tears of sorrow to a place of praise. And then he, say, I, he says, I shouldn't even just praise for myself. Now he has a word for everybody else. He's like, God, save me. He says, today I praise. And he says, parents, tell your children about your faithfulness. He says, the Lord will say, he says, the Lord will save me. And we will sing with string instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. God saved this man. And he says, not only am I going to praise, I'm going to tell everybody that will listen. I'm going to tell their parents. I'm going to tell their children that if God saves you, if he extends you, if he takes you into overtime, then you better spend the rest of your days praising him in his temple. What are we reading? We are reading a man that had a revelation that even though his time was limited, he needed to spend his time in the temple of the Lord praising God instead of blaming God. If God's going to put you in overtime, it's not to keep complaining. 
It's not keep, it's not to keep playing the way you've played for the entire game. Overtime is an opportunity to praise him. To praise him when it's good, to praise him when it's bad, to praise him in the in-between, knowing that our God cannot fail. I read this story, and you know what I ask myself? If I only had 15 years left to live, how would I spend my time? Would I spend it complaining, or would I spend it praising? I don't know about you. I don't know how much time I got. But with the time I got, I want my life to be praised. I want to praise every moment I get. I want to praise when I'm up. I want to praise when I'm down. I want to praise when I'm in the middle of it. I want to praise when the season seems too long. I want to praise when I see no end. I want to praise in the victory. I want my purpose for as long as I live to be praised. And I want God to get the glory from every single moment that I have left in life. And the word of the Lord for somebody today is the way you will live your life if you knew exactly how much time you had left is the way you need to live your life right now because tomorrow is not promised. But the Bible says in James, how do you know? How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. Well, the Bible says like a vapor is here for a little while and then it's gone. It's over time. How you gonna finish the game? It's over time. How are you gonna finish the game? I can't speak for y'all, I can speak for me. I'm praising like crazy and over time. For as long as I got breath in my lungs, he's going to get glory from every breath that I take. It's over time. How you going to finish the game? With every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.